I'm Luka Doncic and this is Locked On Mavericks Podcast. This is gonna be huge. 360 in the contract. Never that. I just take the contact. I bring it back. I'm running on the fast break behind the back. Yeah, this that, this that, this that. Jerk with the back. And welcome. You are locked on to the Dallas Mavericks. My name is Nick Angstead, lead analyst at Free Dawkins on YouTube, and I am joined. Actually, Isaac is joined by the great Brad Townsend from the paper, aka the DMN, aka the Dallas Morning News, aka Sports Day, Sports Day DFW. He got him on the phone, talked all things free agents, and we wanted to get this out as soon as possible because, as you guys all know, news and inklings and hearings become completely irrelevant within hours so we wanted to get this out as soon as possible so without further ado here's isaac and brad townsend all right brad you are in la after a super eventful night of traveling it's kind of like your own version of planes trains and automobiles (laughs) yeah (laughs) but i'm here that's the important thing but you're there in la what are you looking forward to the most tonight at the award ceremony well i mean selfishly for my newspaper purposes uh access um you know i would imagine that uh all the maps power brokers will be here um i certainly want to be checking in with them Uh, but the biggest thing in terms of you know why i'm here and our readers and mavericks fans and you and everybody else is uh, it's really it's about Luca, and uh, tonight will be a celebration. I don't think there's any question that he's going to be uh, named Rookie of the Year. It, if he's not, then I would imagine that <laughs> there would be an outcry about the voting process, and it would be warranted. But I, I don't see that happening. And the last time we had a Rookie of the Year, who who was it? Jason Kidd, 1995, co-Rookie of the Year, the only time. The Mavericks have had a rookie of the year. He was co-rookie of the year with uh, Grant Hill. Grant Hill, man, he's Grant Hill's one of my favorite what ifs. If he if he always stayed healthy, what he would look mm-hmm. like all time. Yeah, and uh, and frankly, he came to mind uh, during the during this playoffs when you saw Kevin Durant get hurt and then try to come back. Really, uh, Grant Hill's a cautionary tale for that. He was hurt late in the, I want to say, 1999 season, 1998-99. Anyway, and he decided to play in a first-round playoff series. Really made his ankle injury worse, and he was really he was never the same after that. Hmm. So you mentioned Jason Kidd. Just, just a reminder, how long have you been covering the Mavs? Oh, <laughs> man. <laughs> Because I I, I I threw a question at you earlier this season. I was like, man, this is uh, this is at least getting more fun. You know, the past couple of years have been down. And I remember you throwing at me, you're like, hey, this isn't nothing compared to to what I've covered in the past. I know, but you're gonna age me. It's like you're gonna. It's like you're cutting me open like an old oak tree. You're gonna count my uh, rings here. You know. Uh, <laughs> I came to uh, I came to the morning news in um, October of 1993, so uh, <laughs> and that was to cover the Mavericks. I had covered the Spurs in San Antonio uh, from 1989, David Robinson's rookie year, uh, until my newspaper folded, and then so I went 
to the briefly to the Houston Chronicle, and then the morning news uh, Mavericks beat job opened up, and so that was 1993, and uh, that was the uh, infamous Quinn Buckner season, mm. and. Uh, that season, uh, the Mavericks. Uh, this is the stat I always roll out. It's probably what you're talking about. They started two and thirty-nine. <laughs> so at the at the season's midway point, had only won two games, and both of those wins were at Minnesota. So halfway through the season, no home wins. Dang, that was a challenge. <laughs> I, I, I guess you were in reunion at that time, right? Oh yeah, yeah. They didn't move to uh, they didn't move to American Airlines Center till uh, I guess two thousand. Yeah. So, uh, and it, it was a challenge, but I mean, it was it was a good challenge. I mean, it was not it was certainly not boring. You had you had Jamal Mashburn uh, ripping uh, Quinn Buckner. You had Quinn Buckner getting into. You know, getting crosswise with Derek Harper and Derek Harper getting traded to the Knicks and then, you know, uh, getting to play in the NBA Finals. And then I go I go back then and we would cover all the playoff series, even though the Mavericks weren't even close to sniffing the playoffs. And then, so I went to the NBA Finals. If you can even imagine it, I did a diary with Derek Harper for our newspaper during the NBA Finals. Wow. Okay, if you can't even imagine that now, I mean, a player... <laughs> You know, of course, a lot I had to do with Harper, and I had a pretty good relationship with him. But uh, I, I don't even, you know, Derek's still considered Dallas his hometown and uh, or his adopted hometown, and uh, took time with me every day during the finals to, you know, hash hash out a diary. I wish more players could do that nowadays. Uh, but with with Dirk, how does the Dirk era? Does it feel weird? Does it feel that? I mean, you you were there for all of it. Does it actually has it sunk in yet that the Dirk era is is done? Has it sunk in for the Mavs yet? You know, I actually believe it has for the Mavs. I think uh, they've seen this coming. Uh, I'm not saying they're happy about it, but I think I think most of most of the power people in the organization coaches and probably most of the players knew that it was most likely Dirk's last season. And, you know, I became a celebration of the season. There wasn't a, it was the season of Luca and the season of uh, Dirk's exit. And uh, there was a lot to be excited about and a lot to be sad about. But I think the sadness is probably, you know, this will, this will come back around again at the start of next season. You know, when people are driving up uh, Dirk Nowitzki Way or whatever they're going to call that street and park at the American Airlines Center and, uh, it'll hit everybody that it's a new era, but I think uh, that will be uh, overshadowed, uh, obviously, uh, with the fact that it's a, it's, a, it's it's an exciting new era. Yeah, and we'll see what happens here in free agency. But uh, regardless, I, I, there's no question in my mind the Mavericks are going to come out ahead. Uh, if they don't land the big quote unquote big fish free agents. They already got their guy in Porzingis. Mm. That that's you know their failure to land a free agent, a, a big name free agent in past years, and they certainly learned a lesson from that. And uh, they they went out and got their guy in a trade. And if you look at any free agent list right now that includes 
restricted as well as unrestricted. Porzingis is a top 10 guy, probably top seven. Yeah, and what? So you mentioned big fish in free agency. What's the confidence meter right now? What's you've mentioned the lack of you know people want to talk about the big fish over the past years and striking out and all that stuff. What's the confidence meter? Where's that at within the organization and the feel right now around the league of Dallas doing something bigger next week? I've had various people describe, and I've actually I've seen. Other reporters use this word, Dallas is the wild card team. Mm. Uh, and I do think that that's the case. Uh, I do sense, I don't think uh, confident would be the word that I'm sensing among the Mavericks because they, they've got a lot of battle scars. Mm. But I, 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 I guess if you want to use the word confident, I think it, it seems like they're, they're confident in their plans A, B, C, D. Yeah, you know they're 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 confident that they'll they'll be able to go. You know, if they don't get Plan A, they feel really good about Plan B and the plans and and they have options. Here's the the greatest thing about what having Luca and having Porzingis is the the versatility of both of those players. And when you talk to people around the league, and I've talked to some agents, that really gives Dallas flexibility. Because those guys can play multiple positions, we know what Dallas ultimately want. They want Luca to be the primary ball handler, and they want Kristaps Porzingis to be a four on offense and a five on defense, ideally. But the fact that they're versatile allows Dallas to sort of blur the blur the lines in terms of who they might pick up. It gives them options. Now, does that mean that it's and, and let's let's go ahead and throw the Kimber, Kimball Walker thing out? Uh, is he the perfect fit? No. Would he be a great fit in terms of just upgrading their talent level and uh, being able to blend into uh, Rick Carlisle's offense and play alongside of uh, Luca? Absolutely. If 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 he's willing to uh, share a ball handling load which i don't know i I don't know kimbo well enough to know that how he would feel about not having the ball in his hand the majority of time but i can envision though that backcourt together and i've written this i think it would be it would make dallas it would give dallas one of the most dynamic backcourts in the nba and that's saying a lot you're talking about the splash brothers and you're talking about the guys of portland and then and you're talking about dallas all in the same breath What's the latest on the Kimba stuff? Has your with, you know, Cup checks, you know, saying at the end of the season that you know they want to bring him back, saying all the right things. He's super match, super max eligible. What kind of is the same feeling there? Do we know if Charlotte's going to offer the super max? What is Kimba going to take meetings? Kimba will take meetings. Uh, he definitely will take meetings, and I, I, nobody has told me that. Nobody's confirmed this, but there's nothing. No reason to believe that Dallas won't be one of the meetings. Uh, interestingly enough, Kimba really gave gave Charlotte an out by, or gave Charlotte some wiggle room by saying he would take less than the max. I'm sure his agent just went, <laughs> just probably <laughs> his stomach might have turned when he said that. But uh, but the fact that he said that, 
I don't see Charlotte offering him the max. I don't think Charlotte needs to offer him the max to keep him. Mm. I think anything, anything between the max of what he would have gotten if it hadn't been the regular max, I think something between the regular max and the super max would be enough to keep him. Okay, so super max, you don't think super max could be there, but a regular max or maybe a little bit over that, that could keep him in Charlotte. I, I do. I mean, I, listen, I know the guy wants to win. I know he's been tired of, he's tired of losing in Charlotte. Uh, and the reality is if he gets the max or anything close to that, uh, above it, below it, whatever, it's going to severely hamstring Charlotte. It really is. And I think that that's probably the, I think that's probably the, the unknown here that gives Dallas a shot. Mm. Uh, so I do think that he'll be offered that, but, but is there something in, in um, Kemba's DNA that says, you know, I'll take 140 million to play in Dallas and to win. Regardless. I mean, he's given up, at the, at the at the least fifty million dollars guaranteed. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, uh, would you give that up? <laughs> no, <laughs> I would. I wouldn't give it up at all. Right. So, <laughs> you know, we're not Campbell Walker, but we're human beings, and we could, from that standpoint, put ourselves in his place. So, and I'll- you're talk you're talking about it. You know, his kids and his grandkids and his great grandkids. And, you know, you're talking about taking care of, you know, five generations of walkers. Yeah. Okay. So maybe he's going to play on a 35 win team. That's true. So do you think the Kimba thing will drag out a little bit if he takes meetings with Dallas or, you know, if, you know, if the Lakers don't get somebody else, they might, you know, yeah. try to swing at. Do you think that could drag out, you know, a few days, a week? Uh, I mean, I could see his dragging out a few days, a week. No, I, I, you said that's strictly a guess. But mm. I do think that the fact that that the Lakers might have other irons in the fire, and Kimba, if if Kimba does have an interest in going to LA, that could, and he wants to have all his options before he makes a decision. I could see that. But look, you you've been around way long enough to know how this goes as soon as what is it five o'clock or six o'clock on the 30th hits you are going to be seeing tweets flying right and left and there's going to be a lot of hopes dashed literally within like 10 minutes within minutes yes yeah and it's so funny because look i love mav's twitter uh you know, Twitter can drive you crazy, but to me, it's 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 a conversation. And I love the passion of Mavericks fans. Uh, you know, I get peppered with questions. Hey, look, I'd rather be. I'm, I'm glad to be part of the conversation. I'm glad that people think I might. My opinion might be good, or I might be somewhat loosely plugged in. Uh, but I just, it, it, you know, people want answers now, and. Uh, as someone tweeted to me this morning, hey, let's let's try to clear some smoke here. Like, look, smoke is another word for leverage. Mm. And so there's a lot of smoke right now. It 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 behooves not it doesn't behoove players, it doesn't behoove agents, it doesn't behoove the teams 
to be clearing any smoke right now when it means potentially losing leverage. And so that's why I was kind of surprising, not kind of, very surprising for Walker to just kind of blurt out, I'll take the Supermax. Um, I'll take less than the Supermax. It was an honest, clearly it was an honest, you know, it just, just gave an honest answer. Yeah. And, you know, okay, yeah, so, so that means he's taking something between 190 and what's the Supermax, two? 220 or something? 220, yeah. Okay, well, I guess that's not a great leap. <laughs> but, you know, but but I thought it was a great moment of honesty. Yeah. You know, if you're talking about smoke clearing, that was a bit of smoke clearing right there. For sure. And speaking of smoke, this is, I guess, one of the hottest names over the past, what, 72 hours, three or four days. How real is the Al Horford stuff? What What is going on with that in Dallas? Is there anything to that? When this stuff started bubbling up um, immediately, uh, I reached out to a Mavericks person I trust, um, one of the people that I typically go to on these things to get honest answers, right? And I said, you know, texted is, uh, are these Al Horford uh, reports accurate? And the response was not really. Well, that's not, as I wrote, you know, that's not a denial. That's, you know, that's sort of fudging. And, you know, no elaboration, I will say. You're not going to get a lot of elaboration right now because, again, teams don't want to tip their hand on what they're doing. Yeah. And the fact that there was not a no was revealing to me. Um... Look, as I wrote this, I've written this several times. The Mavericks' search for a, their their infatuation with finding centers is well documented. Virtually every, with the exception of a couple of off seasons in the last since losing uh, Tyson Chandler, they've been chasing centers forever. Yeah, Dwight Howard. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> What do you think about Horford's uh, fit? Side, with- I mean, it, it goes down, you, you know, even uh, Nerlens Noel, that was chasing a center. Yeah. I, I mean, thank thank goodness for them that he turned down the four years and $70 million. True. I mean, can you imagine where they'd be now? We wouldn't be having these free agent conversations right now. Yeah. What do you think about Horford's fit with Porzingis, potentially? I do think it would be a good fit defensively. I mean, I I don't know. I see it in somewhat the same way that I see uh, Vucevic. I see a lot. Those duos, whether it's, you know, Vucevic, Porzingis, or or Horford, Porzingis, they're more alike than they are dissimilar. Mm. There there, There would be some, there would certainly be some bleed over. And as it was explained to me uh, concerning Vucevic by, you know, several people, Mavericks and NBA, that goes back to what I was saying earlier about the uh, versatility, okay? Is Vucevic a perfect fit? No. But would he be a big upgrade? Definitely. Mm -hmm. Would Horford be a big upgade? 
Heck yes. He's a very good defensive center. Yeah. Uh, he's not a rim protector, but but again, the tro- offensively, either one of those front line duos would give opponents fits. I'm, I'm sorry, off- I can't remember what I said. Offensively, they would give them fits. Defensively, however, you try to picture, well, if, you, if those guys are on the court at the same time and there's a stretch four or a stretch five on the court, which one of those guys is out on the perimeter chasing those guys? That's true. But as you know, the NBA is a game of matchups. It's a sport of matchups. And if you're if the five that you put on the floor is so powerful offensively that you just that I mean, look at it from the other standpoint. If it's or for Porzingis or or Porzingis Vucevic on the floor. Matching up with those guys is going to be tough too. If you get off to a lead, it, it, then you're the you're the team that's trying to match up to them uh, versus vice versa, and that's typically how NBA games play out. It, you know, uh, if the team feels confident and it's starting five, it's going to roll out the, the five that it wants and make the other team match up to it. Vucevic, you were the first person that uh, that I saw that mentioned. Vucevic as a possibility in uh, in Dallas and all that stuff. Is it still the same? I feel like you reported on that a while ago uh, during the season, maybe. Um, is that still on the table for Dallas? And would Vooch entertain coming to Dallas? He would definitely entertain coming. I, I just uh, – I don't know if I was the first to report it, but I know that uh, the first time I reported it seriously was literally the night of the uh, – the, the night of the Porzingis trade. Hmm. And it wasn't a Mavericks person. It was an NBA person that I trust said Vucevic is going to be their main target. And, you know, and that was confirmed by a couple of others. But it comes down to me, the Vucevic thing comes down to money. Yeah. I think he'd love to play here. I just don't know if he's. I don't see the Mavericks paying him max. And I don't think they should pay him the max. Yeah. But if you look at the free agent, if you look at the center position, there's very few max centers out there. That's true. If you looked at the highest paid centers in the league last year, most of them were uh, MB, a couple others, they were in the $25 million range. Mm. So all of a sudden, and I'm not saying Vucevic pay Vucevic, you know, maybe you do pay Vucevic $25 million, but I think that might be a little rich from the Mavericks standpoint. I don't see them paying, giving him the max. So would he come here for less than the max? Just like I, just like, um, it's very similar to what we were saying a while ago about Walker. If, if their incumbent teams give them the max, I see it. If Orlando gives Vucevic the max, and it's just hard for me to imagine him taking less money just to play with Luca and Porzingis. Yeah, and that's what that's what this comes down to every year. So I don't think I think the Mavericks fans need to brace themselves for this, for the possibility that they may not get a top ten 
free agent outside of Porzingis, who I do count as a top ten free agent. Can, can know, I... their, their plan, their plans B, C, and D could, as Donnie Nelson has called it, splitting our aces, could actually be better for the franchise than giving giving all of their salary cap uh, room to one player. Could actually be the best play for them long term. If you're going to sign a Vucevic or a Walker or someone who's not an ideal fit, and you're going to give them most of their most of your salary cap space, it, it, that's what your that's where your primary payroll is going to be for the next few years. Mm. And then Doncic kicks in in three or four years, and he'll be getting max. And, and so the decision that the Mavs have got to make here in the next week. Yeah, can they take what they can take a step forward, but they they don't want to just take a step forward into say like a top seven or eight team, and that's going to be their lot for the next five years. Hmm. They, they need to they need to make move a move or moves that will continue to give them upward mobility for the next four or five years. Can not. And not just and not just allow them to jump to a slightly higher rung on the ladder where they're going to remain. Can I ask you about two restricted guards? Okay, Malcolm Brogdon, D'Angelo Russell, are these? If you had to rank them one and two for Dallas, and is there a possibility for either of those guys? Malcolm Brogdon, I absolutely love. I would love his fit in Dallas. I just think Milwaukee. I just yeah. I don't think they let him go at all. So, what's right. your thoughts on either one of those two in Dallas? I don't see either happening. Uh, I understand that uh, Brogdon is a is, as I've written before uh, the Mavs Twitter Mavs fan Twitter darling. <laughs> I understand from a just an X's and O's fit, and he'd be great alongside Doncic. But you're dealing with a free agent, an unrestricted, a restricted free agent, and the the there's such a risk on waiting. That's literally seven days go by before you really get a, a clear answer on whether you've really got a shot. They've got till July the fifth to decide whether to sign your uh, your your offer and then their incumbent team gets a couple of days to max well that that's a that's that takes you well into a week inside of free agency I mean as we just said earlier stuff's gonna start flying at 501 p.m on the 30th yeah and who knows what the landscape is gonna be so I haven't heard much about any Mavericks. I haven't heard anything about any Mavericks interest in Russell. Now, Brogdon, yes, but that's – you're talking about – we're talking about plans A, B, C, and D while ago. That's probably like a plan F if all those other things fall through. Yeah. Then you make a big offer to him. But even if you make a big offer to him, I just I just see Milwaukee doing everything it can to keep him, and all they have to do is match whatever. Now, it may cause – them some financial problems 
but uh, I, I've got to think that Middleton is their number one priority, and Brogdon's got to be right after that. You know, they would have to. They would. They would probably rather have another roster casualty than to lose Brogdon. That's my opinion, and I believe that. And just my sense from talking to the Mavericks, that's the way they see it too. Yeah. So I mean, it's kind of funny to see some of these tweets, like uh, you know, fans kind of their order of preference. We can't. You can't put Brogdon first. <laughs> yeah. Because if you're doing that, then you're you're just conceding that you're not going to get the targets that uh, that you have above him. You're just conceding. This is, you know, that's our. That's it's like uh, when they did this with Parsons a few years ago. That it was like they had to get creative, and that was kind of their last resort. And they did a good job of doing that. But they've got, but they don't. They shouldn't need to do that. They've got twenty nine to thirty one million in um, salary cap space, and they have. Porzingis and they have uh, Luka Doncic and the, that should be enough to draw somebody here who's not a, rest- a, a restricted free agent. So what? give me like a name or two names that if they split the aces that you could really see them going after. Well, what we haven't talked about is who I think is kind of a wild card here, and that's Tobias Harris. Okay. Now I haven't I haven't seen an indication that either way. Okay, I haven't seen Harris indications that he's definitely staying. I'm seeing that he's, and I haven't, but I also haven't seen indications of whether Philly would give him the max. Mm. So again, he's one of these other players. In a perfect world, my discussion with Mavericks people is the perfect, if you're going to give max to a player, it should be a guy who who plays the three slash four. Yeah. If you're, if you're looking at the Mavericks starting five as a, as a, as a puzzle and you're starting with Doncic and, and Porzingis, the perfect puzzle fit would be a small forward, mm. and that's and that's where that's where I think the mo- the Mavericks would be most comfortable saying, "Yeah, we'll we'll give you twenty seven million, we'll give you thirty two million, because it's closest to, it's the closest thing to an ideal fit." Yeah, and I don't see any other small forwards. They all seem to be. They all seem destined to go elsewhere, yeah, or to stay or, or to stay with their current teams. So, but Tobias Harris is kind of the mystery guy because I think of course, I, I could I could log on right I could log on five minutes from now and you know it could be all indications are Philly is going to get in the max. <laughs> so this landscape changes every day, every hour. It feels like. Yeah, I know. Uh, this podcast might be uh, obsolete by the time we finish it. <laughs> um, Patrick Beverly, any of these other names that could be yeah. the ten to fifteen million range that you really could see Dallas uh-huh. making a push for if they did, you know, spread out their money. Yeah, yeah, I do. Yeah, uh, Beverly is is 
I was told Beverly early on, like mm. during the season. Mm. I mean, he, he's he's making he made like four and a half million this past year. If you, I could certainly see him signing here, something in the twelve million dollar range. Yeah. But all of a sudden he's, all of a sudden he's he's sought after. I mean, he he might be a Laker. I mean, he Mavericks going to be competing. With a guy like that, but the the good news for them is that Bill Duffy is his agent, and that's the same situation with Vucevic. And again, that's why people were uh, making that leap. It's not a great leap because Bill Duffy has a look. He has a vested interest to look out for all of his clients, uh, but he certainly has a uh, an increased vested interest in helping the Mavericks surround Luca with complimentary players. Yeah. And Patrick and Beverly certainly qualifies as that. Hmm. Roster moves over the next week or so. Do you th- what happens with the Courtney Lee contract and is it sa- is it safe to say that, you know, Finney Smith and Maxie, their qualifying will be there. Brokoff, his deadline's coming up. I don't think anything's safe right now. I think I think those decisions will will be clues on what the Mavericks will be, what they think that their chances are hmm. at other guys. Okay. Okay. On in Brokaw's case, you know he becomes guaranteed. I think it's on the 29th if they if the Mavericks choose to to do that. But if they don't, let's just say they don't guarantee Brokoff, that doesn't preempt them from signing him later. Yeah. It, it could be, it could just be a ledger sheet thing on just, uh, on lining up free agency and, and having that extra 1.4 million to spend. And with kind of a, an agreement with him that, that, you know, we'll circle back to you. Yeah. And I think Fanny Smith is probably, I think Fanny Smith's situation is a little more tenuous. Um, but I also know that Rick Carlisle speaks high, so highly of him. And, um, you know, it's interesting to me that Carlisle has gone out of his way several times in the past two years of saying that he thinks that if there was a redo in the draft, that he would be a lottery pick. Mm. Yeah, I, I don't quite see that, but it does it certainly that's not a small statement to make. It certainly speaks to uh, Carlisle's opinion of him. Yeah. And the potential. So you hate to you hate to invest the time that they've put into, uh, of course, finding him and developing him, and then just having him walk away. Yeah. So he could be another guy that, you know, maybe, maybe they don't keep that placeholder, and it gives them more more financial flexibility. Maxi, similar. Yeah, yeah. Courtney Lee's contract. So, uh, I, I don't see that happening. Um, the only way I say that happening is if they do get one of these Max guys. If they do decide to to give, if if, if they do come to an, a Max agreement with somebody, and that they want that other that extra flexibility to get someone else. Okay. 
And so if they do do that, it's a good news deal for Dallas, but in the short term, but long term, it, it inhibits your ability to make moves in years two and three when you're still carrying his dead salary. Yeah. Which I guess would be about $4 million a year, uh, but for each of those years. All right, my last question for you before I okay. let you go. All right. Your right now, this is Monday. A, uh-huh. a week from now, what's your prediction on what has happened in free agency for Dallas? <laughs> I think it's going to be a splits races. Okay. Split the races type situation. It'd be hard for me to give you names, but I, I think there's a very good chance that Beverly ends up being a Maverick. Okay. In a split your races type situation. But, but I do think that the Mavericks are definitely the wild card team here. I do think that they have drawing power that they haven't had probably in the last, you aged me earlier, but you know, in the 25 years that I've been in this market, they, they've never had, they've never had this combination of drawing power and uh, salary cap space. And I think it's a fascinating time and it's an exciting time for the franchise and i love how you started off at the very beginning of just a reminder of no matter what happens they got christoph Porzingis, and that's the that's the biggest acquisition and welcome him back or you know hear this uh, i'm uh, actually how quick does that get done this summer that can get pushed off depending on timing they uh, you know he, he can reach the agreement but uh I, that, I, my understanding is the way that that Ideally, for the Mavericks, in terms of like, uh, you do that signing after you've you've done your other signings. Yeah, yeah. So that that may we may get word, you know, we'll probably get word on uh, on the thirtieth that he's agreed to terms, but the actual signing might be, you know, July sixth, seventh, eighth, maybe even later. Mm. Just you know, while they're just trying to line up all these other guys. Yeah. Actually, I, I lied. If the Mavericks had to bring back one guy, DeAndre Jordan, Wes Matthews, or Harrison Barnes, who would it be? <laughs> oh my gosh. Well, I would say Wes, uh, just because he would cost less. <laughs> the price. I you, right. I, I just uh, you're not going to pay Harrison Barnes. I mean, I can't believe he, he opts out of 25 million. Which means it would take twenty five million to get him back here. Um, I mean, they were fortunate to, as much as I like Harrison Barnes, the person that they, they don't want. You know, they they did very well uh, getting out from under that. Yeah. Now, had they had they not had they known that he was going to opt out, would, would they have made that move? That's a good. That's a question I intend to ask Donnie at some point. That is a good question. Yeah. All right, Brad. I appreciate well, I everything. I hope it's been somewhat interesting. Oh, heck yeah, it is. You're what you're literally. Uh, we talk about it all the time as far as people to trust with Mavericks news. Uh, your name gets brought up at the very beginning each each time. So thank you so much for being uh, such a nice guy and uh, <laughs> helping us come along and uh, doing yeah. pods like this. And uh, I look forward yeah. to seeing you soon. Have fun in LA right. tonight. Thanks, I will. Good luck. All right, see you, Brad. All right, thanks.